Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The following podcast may contain discussions supported by science that may be considered dangerous to some listeners and conspiracy theorists. Discretion is advised. The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by Lucky Bastard Distillers, Saskatchewan's premier distillery. And by the Pilot Bowens Brewing Company, brewed in the heart of Regina. Welcome to the Three Down Greencast. You are listening to the internet's only independent wrestling podcast. Oh, I'm sure there's a few of those, but in this context, yes. That's, that's. That's the that's that's the joke. Anyway, I'm Joel oh. Gaston with John Fraser as usual. As uh, yes, um, ruining the show about ten seconds in is one John Fraser who is back after two weeks out in the wilderness. Yes, and uh, we were of course joined by Dan Plaster. We thank Dan again for his time and his uh, his smarts that that he brings to this show every time he he fills in for John and brings brings everyone's IQ up a few points thanks to he, all that. He he really does. I love that like. And I don't know what this says about the two of us, but every time Plaster comes on, we're like, holy shit, that guy's smart. Every time mm-hmm. we have Haji on, we're like, holy shit, that guy's smart. We have Sergio on. Holy shit, that guy's smart. We have Colin and Hobson then... on. Oh, that guy's smart. Oh, we have John Cullen on. Oh, that guy's smart. Right? What does that say about us? I mean, you know we... what it says? We're embrace dumb. the dub. Yeah. <laughs> we know and who we are. we're here to embrace our undubbedness. We know who we are. Oh, well, that's it. And I love listening to Plaster, but uh, as a lifelong football fan, even I'm like... I'm driving back betwixt Atticoken and Fort Francis, listening to Plaster actually break down plays and me going, huh, <laughs> I, uh, are, I are not smart enough for this. Yeah. So we're back here to be dumb. Absolutely. Um, we got some things to talk about, of course. Uh, the Riders lost in Montreal. Oh, boy. <laughs> that game feels like it was like four weeks ago already for some reason. Because I think it was over after like the opening kickoff. Yeah, so, like, maybe you had I didn't really watch it that closely. It was done. Yeah, yeah it, it, it feels like it was forever ago for some reason, even though it hasn't even been a week since that game was no. played. Um, which may have been more time. That's more time has passed than the writers had to prepare for this game, and we will we'll talk about that. Um, all this week on Three Down Nation, a lot of midseason stuff going on. Uh, I wrote a piece for them, which was the midseason report card for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So we'll kind of, we'll do a bit of a bit on that and see where we think the team is at at the midway point of the season. And then um, we may talk a little bit about uh, the ongoing mess that is the Edmonton Elks Football Club. <laughs> like, I feel like no matter how bad, like, I don't feel like if you're a Ryder fan, you feel good about anything right now. No. But you're not the Elks. Yeah. So you got that going for you, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Before we get to all that, though, um, some information came across our desk this morning, our imaginary desk that doesn't exist. <laughs> it was actually in the form of one uh, Three Down Nation contributor and Toronto Argonauts uh, color analyst, Ben Grant, sent to uh, the Three Down Nation group chat. The picture of uh, an indie wrestling event 
that is going to be happening this weekend because the Argos are on their third bye week already for some reason. Oof. Because their outstanding schedule they have after not being home. Of course. At least there's no Tuesday games. No, but they did go a month between games at BMO Field, which is seems to be an annual tradition for them for some reason. <laughs> anyway, um, you may have noticed this before because this uh, made the rounds earlier in the year, but no one knew about it ahead of time. And I think this time the, the people in charge of this promotion are being smart and getting it out there. Um, on Live on Fight, whatever that is, Fight Plus. I, I, I'm looking, I'm looking, I literally, you were reading my mind, I'm yeah. looking it up right now. Continue. Um, the League versus Jock Samson and AJ Ouellette. Yes, this is Greek Town Wrestling, the Greek Town Cup, uh, Saturday, August 19th, 6 o'clock doors. It's, of course, in Toronto, so if you're happening to be listening to the Toronto area, you're heading to the Toronto area, I would highly recommend checking it out because indie wrestling is fantastic. Oh, and God, this is the one of the best times you'll have. Yeah, this is the second time that AJ Ouellette has actually appeared in Greek Town Wrestling. He did once earlier this year. I don't think he was actually in the match. Um, I don't. I don't. We have. We've, all we've really seen is the infamous spear from Ouellette on whoever the guy he was. They were facing was, but I, I believe he was kind of just more ringside manager type situation in that. And then he he plopped the Argo helmet on and went for the spear, which is one of the single. You know, single-handedly one of the absolute best Argo marketing moments we've seen in a very long time. Oh, dude, yeah. As you should, if you have ever been to an indie wrestling event, if you could bottle that energy and bring it to BMO Field, that is exactly what you want to bring that place to life because, oh my god, indie wrestling is the best and now that my kids are suddenly super into <laughs> wrestling, I'm like, booyah, we got an excuse to go. Let's go. Let's go watch some guys beat the crap out of each other for minimal money. But, oh, God, it's so good. Absolutely. like It, it is. It is. You, no matter what you may think of professional wrestling, and what most people think of professional wrestling is, of course, the WWE. This is nothing like that. Um, in just about every imaginable way, it is actually worse and more chaotic, which makes it even better. Yes. Oh, 100%. <laughs> it, is, it is so off the rails. It is so ridiculous, but it is so perfect for that reason. And the fact that AJ Ouellette appeared to this, he obviously, this is something he's into because he obviously wouldn't have done this the first time if he didn't enjoy it. But now he's actually, looks like he's going to be involved in a match. How we much he's going to be involved, I don't know, because obviously he doesn't want to hurt himself ahead of the rest of their regular season without a bye week. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, in a way, professional wrestling, especially as a one-off, is often safer than football. So, I mean, who knows? And, I don't know, it looks like this should be a blast, and I hope, I hope this thing is captured somewhere beyond this thing I've never heard of, wherever it's on. And okay, so you're, you're gonna love this gas. Yeah. I have just downloaded the app, and you can start a seven day free trial at any time. And okay. I'm staring right now at the poster for the Greek Town Cup 2023 <laughs> with Argo's running back AJ Ouellette on there. Like, okay, boom, that's what you do. You download the app, you start your seven day free trial on the Sunday. We can all watch how involved AJ Ouellette's gonna be. And then you get two of the best things in the world, Canadian football. Pardon me, it's Saturday. You get Canadian football and independent wrestling. And it looks like you can get it mostly for free. I haven't tried to see if they need my credit card because I always feel a little shady about doing that. But <laughs> there's literally a button on the app. Start your seven-day free trial. So let's go. Yeah, I mean, that that just sounds 
that just sounds absolutely perfect. And I, I hope this is fun. I hope this is something that kind of catches the attention of everyone again. And, uh, well, what was funny was, so of course, Ben sent this information to the chat again, how we came across it. I don't know. He's not, he's not the wrestling type. We'll put it that way. <laughs> he's not like us. So he, he was saying, is anyone going to this? And I said, you should. Um, yes. But then he also said, well, Ryan Ballantyne's in town, so he should go. And I said, well, actually, you both should go for the different perspective because Ryan isn't a wrestling. But then, right. unfortunately, by the time this event is happening, Ryan's day job, which is, has him all over the world, well, all over North America, will have him in BC. So, unfortunately, he can't go to the event. But I'm just – I'm actually sad that we won't get the sort of juxtaposition of breaking down wrestling between Ben Grant and Ryan Ballantyne. <laughs> How good would that be? A non-wrestling guy and <laughs> yeah. a wrestling. Now, now see if if my if see it's folk fest in Saskatoon this weekend, and, and Max is dancing. Does Ukrainian dance? He's dancing in that. Otherwise, I'd be looking at even taking the risk of going on Flair Airlines to get to Toronto, <laughs> one night only. Fly in Flair, get back two months later because it's Flair. As I hitchhike across Ontario and uh, check this out with Ben Grant because. Uh, I am a wrestling guy. I I, I haven't been. Mm-hmm. I I mean, I haven't watched regularly since really the WWE's attitude no. era. And I no, like- but I mean, and it's it's funny. Like for a while, I was watching a little bit again, kind of yeah. lead up to this year's WrestleMania. I thought was really good. I kind of stuck stuck on with it post WrestleMania. Now with the baby and all that, it's been difficult to watch at times because I used to watch sort of late Monday night and sort of late on the weekends when Jenny went to bed. I'd be like, okay, let's put on some wrestling for a bit. Um, right, because you can find it all in the apps now, and it's great. You don't need to actually need to watch it or record it or do anything like that. Oh, really? Yeah. So yeah, on TSN, TSN's app has all the AW stuff. Sportsnet now has all of the WWE stuff. Huh. So you you can catch up and you can watch it. And I just, I don't have the time, but I've realized it's also digital now. It's kind of easy to kind just kind of have an idea of what's going on without actually watching it, which is fun. <laughs> Interesting. So so you you can have conversations with people. Like one damn plastery was also into wrestling. So we can discuss things about what's going on in terms of the storylines, whether we like them or not, without ever actually watching a minute of it. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, I might have to start getting in on that because, you know, things are slowing down a little mm-hmm. bit at work right now. So we're starting to hit that slow time, although uh, it is fantasy football season. So I do need to do a bunch of research for that. More research for that than I've ever done for this podcast. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's probably actual money on the line there, so. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there, there, there actually is. But yeah, but again, I mean, remember, no one cares. <clears throat> nobody cares about my fantasy football team, and I mean, we have bamboozled or uh, convinced or uh, sold ourselves to. Pardon me. Uh, two of the best uh, booze companies in Saskatchewan to give us free stuff for putting this on. So, mm-hmm. where we do talk more wrestling and booze than football. So, yeah, I mean, that's what the people we, came here for, right? Hey, we know our niche. We are not. We are not Dan Blaster. No. We are not football experts. We are not Colin Hodgson. We are not life experts. We are not Sergio Castillo, the CFL's most electrifying man who should be an all-star this year. No, we are none of those. We are two idiots with a jobs and a microphone. <laughs> two microphones because we live in different cities. Yes, 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 we do. Uh, the Riders, of course, came back from a different city the other day. And, oh, there uh, you go. It, there uh, you go. It was not a pretty football game, but we will get into that. Uh, the halfway point of the season and much more. But for the first time, I guess, in a couple of weeks, uh, John, for the Pile of Bones Brewing Company, what is in the glass this week? 
I was going to call you out. You forgot to do it with plaster last week. So uh, I can tell you right now, going into my face hole is some Zilla IPA from Rebellion. I just wanted a real classic IPA uh, when I got back here to Saskatchewan. Uh, again, huge shout out to both the Sleeping Giant Brewing Company and uh, Lake of the Woods out of Northern Ontario. I basically was on a steady diet of that for two weeks. And uh, holy crap, Northern Ontario craft beer is me. I would put it ahead of BC in terms of quality and quantity these days. Because Lake Lake of the Woods like is is probably a top three brewery for me. Yeah, we know that. And I don't know if it's got just the 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 nostalgic and the feel attached to it because I go back home. Mm-hmm. But uh, a big thing for me, much like our friends at Pile of Bones and Rebellion and a lot of the Saskatchewan producers, doesn't leave me hungover because holy crap, I drank about a gazillion beers while I was back at home. So. Uh, yeah, just want a simple, straightforward, high alcohol IPA so I could have spicy takes for my first time back in two weeks. Uh, for me, uh, I have uh, the, I guess, the unofficial official beer of the podcast. That would be the Pile of Bones White IPA. Oh, so good. Just simple, straightforward. Y'all know what it is. I, I don't think we really need to say much more about it at this point. Um, it has to be one of the highest appearances, appearance rate on this show, right? I think it's basically the official beer of the podcast. Like, I, I feel like... Yeah, I, it is, but I like to call it the unofficial official. I don't know. It just Right, because, because again, because then it sounds like the Pile of Bones is, is making sure that we have to talk about their product. But again, because they're super rad, we can talk about uh, diff- different things on this and just support all sorts of different local breweries across the country uh, on this little uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing, of course, we have to talk about on this podcast to remain on 3 com is the Saskatchewan <laughs> Rough Riders. And... Um, <clears throat> oh, 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 that was yikes. They uh, they allegedly had a game in Montreal. Um, they showed up. They like were physically in the building. But uh, there wasn't really much point in watching this. So, if, funny story, I'm at the in-laws on Sunday. Yeah. We're having dinner as we normally do there on Sunday and everything. And he's talking about how his cable box is, my father-in-law, of course, having some issues. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, you know, it's flickering out. There's been some times, blah, blah, blah. These certain things aren't working every once in a while. And so he's like, oh, I'm probably going to have to swap this out soon. I'm like, yeah, okay. And then he's telling me, he's saying, well, he's like, here. And he's like, during the game, there's certain points where it would just, like, it was flipping back and forth and doing these, all these different things. And I was like, oh, I was like, well, in that specific case, the box is trying to do you a favor. <laughs> it was telling you not to watch this catastrophe. And he's like, yeah, you're right. Because he was like, yeah, we, we gave about, a, gave up about halfway through the fourth quarter. I was like, wow. I'm honestly surprised you lasted that long. <laughs> that is shocking. That's impressive. I may, I only made it to the end of that game because I had to. If I, I was a casual observer, I would have tuned out of that thing long before that game was over. <laughs> I think I watched, I again, in passing, because we had just gotten back from Ontario. So yeah. I was kind of like, I and, and because of the TV setup at my parents' place, I hadn't watched, like, any football for two weeks. Uh, didn't even – I saw some highlights and stuff on my phone when I actually had that on. But it takes a lot, and I say this as a former-slash-current professional broadcaster, it takes a lot to get to the point where the play-by-play guy sounds like he's bored. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I've heard less enthusiasm – out of Rod Smith than I've had, and this is not a criticism of Rod. No, this is no. just how bad this game was. And to the casual ear, 
I don't know if they would have picked up on that, but like I think that was one of the first things I texted you said like, this is so bad. Rod doing play by play sounds like he's bored. Mm-hmm. Like there are times you step into the booth and you do a game that you know is just going to be a one sided shit show. And you're just going to have to kind of get through it. There's a lot of – I did Hilltops for a long time. There's a lot of games you know this team's going to win 50-2. to two. And there are times during those games where you just kind of find yourself in a lull, and that to me is what Rod sounded like, and that to me is the perfect description of this game. Mm-hmm. It just – it was boring. It was not good. And I say that just as someone who's trying to – and I say this as somebody who didn't watch football for basically two weeks. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I, I went without football for two weeks, and I sit down and watch this and go, yeah, I'm good. Good. Let's let's put something else on here. Let's let's dial up some movies or something. So, yeah. And it, it, like, it, and it was bad because the league set it up to be bad. Mm. And that's kind of the bulk of what I've taken out of that game. I think the result um, is not surprising. If you caught this episode last week, I basically said to Dan that the Riders are more or less likely going to lose this football game. 100% you did. I said they're going to lose because, and you tweeted it, and you you got some blowback from some people, some former players, even. Yes. And it's, I mean, we talked about it. We talked about it from the week after the loss in BC heading into Touchdown Atlantic. It's the same idea, basically, but now just compounded by adding another two weeks on top of that with basically the same schedule. And the well, league think... the, and the league always does this, and it's confusing to me from a league perspective because obviously, in the end of the day, the league isn't really too concerned with who wins and who loses, and you know the competitive no. advantages of a schedule and all that. But when you're setting games up to be complete duds, when you don't have twelve other games going on for your fans to watch, like the NFL does. You're going to get them to watch other things and they may not come back. And it was just, there's just no reason to continuously subject basically every team in the league over a few year span, at least, if not sooner, to something like this because it just produces garbage football games. Well, that's the, that's the point I was trying to make on Twitter. And maybe I didn't do such a great job of making it that I'm not making excuses for the riders for this four game stretch. I think even with Trevor Harris even under optimal schedule conditions, your best case for this stretch is probably two and two. Yeah. And they're one and three. So you're basically one win off of kind of where we thought they would be. But my point was that I wanted to get at is you just made this team play in four different time zones in four consecutive weeks and expected them to put an entertaining. And on the last one, you made them fly across the country on playing from Sunday to Friday. Well, they, got, and, and, they, got, they got to practice once. That's ridiculous. Like that's that's the other thing too. Like you look at you look at this team, and I, I'm like ne- I neither of us are apologists. We don't carry water for no, this team. No, no we're not. We're not employees. Not. We're not. We're not the kind of guys who are you know going to say the right things to keep access or do anything like that. Not that the CFL is one of those leagues that threatens access for what people say, but like we have no reason to carry the water and. We we haven't been at a practice. No. We haven't had a player interview in five years. We haven't like we're probably player not going to have another one for at least another five years. So <laughs> until the Bombers win the Grey Cup, we bring Sergio back. Like that's that's that that's it, right? Like we're not we're not here to get access. We're here to you know look at things, and we're looking at things. And and, and the best comparison I can think of in the BC uh, at BC at Halifax versus Ottawa at Montreal is when the NFL sends their teams to London to play. Mm-hmm. 
They're always on a full week of rest because basically going from the East Coast to London is the same as going from BC to Halifax. Yeah. Like if, if you've, I've flown from Halifax to Ireland and it's not really that bad of a flight. No, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty short, right? Yeah. So could you imagine, because the NFL gets it about entertainment product and gets it about competitive, again, they, same, same thing. They don't care about competitive advantage, but they want to make sure that when you're watching Scott Hansen on red zone on Sundays, that he's got three or four different games to go, right? So the NFL gives their teams a bye week after they come back from London. There's no way on earth the NFL would go at London, at Los Angeles, you're home for a week, then at Denver. On Thursday that, night. Exactly. That's essentially <laughs> what the CFL just did to this football team. And is that the reason they lost? No. No. I, I mean, I mean, better rider teams on coming off a bye week have probably lost in Montreal. Everybody like, that, that's that's just the way it is. Like, East teams, Western teams lose in Montreal – Eastern teams lose in BC. That's just kind of the way it is. <laughs> right. I mean, it's they're both very tough places to play, and I'm not saying – and that's when, when Eddie Steele said you're making excuses. I'm like, no, I'm just and, – and Eddie did respond when I made my point that it's like, this is bad for the players, this is bad for the product, this is bad for the viewers, this is bad for everybody. Like, how on earth if you know – and this is the thing that bothers me the most is – with the Whitecaps basically being irrelevant, BC has basically gone back to being the anchor tenant of BC Place. Mm-hmm. Edmonton's the anchor tenant of the Commonwealth. Calgary, the Stamps at McMahon. Winnipeg at IG Field. Montreal is not the anchor tenant of Percival, but again... But it sounds they... like things have loosened up there around McGill over the last few years, it feels like. Like they played, they played some games on like Saturdays when they never got to be able to do that before. Exactly, it's yeah. a win-win for everybody. So basically, everybody but Toronto is the anchor tenant at mm-hmm. their building. How on earth are you forcing a team to go at BC at Halifax? Like, what on earth are you doing? Like, I get it. Like a lot of these leagues. So I'm going to peel back the curtain a little bit, a bit here. When I worked in in sports radio. The WHL switched to computerized scheduling, and it resulted in some hellish trips. We're talking at Red Deer, at Medicine Hat, at Brandon. Like, because the computer said these are the available dates, this is what we can do. And the fact that you can't have a schedule maker in a nine-team league that can look at this and go, is this the best idea? You know, if to me, if you move that, that, that BC game to Mosaic... Mm-hmm. So you go at home at Halifax at at Mosaic again for Ottawa at Montreal. You got no excuses and you're putting a good product on the field and player safety. Because I think we saw with player safety mm-hmm. with Mason Fine, his hamstring basically just blew up on him. Yeah, and that was that's sort of the other side of the coin of this. There's putting out a good product, and then there's of course also apparently caring about player safety. And it's just fact. I mean, we see when players don't get enough rest, they tend to get hurt more and in sort of more innocent ways. Had Mason fine, you know, been injured on his leg because he got rolled up on like Trevor Harris or had he got hit really hard in a way that looked awkward. You kind of go, okay, that could happen anytime, any game, anywhere. No amount of rest can prevent that. And maybe, maybe this happens to him anyway, who knows? But the fact remains it happened to him on a fairly innocent play on a fairly innocent slide on a short week. It couldn't have helped. No, it couldn't have. It's short week no. with travel. It it could not have helped, 
And now the riders who are already down a quarterback are down two quarterbacks and are stuck with Jake Dolagala as their quarterback and maybe Antonio Pipkin as their backup because it doesn't seem like they trust Shea Patterson at all since they didn't really give him any reps in that game against Montreal. Well, okay, I, 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 I can get it. Why you wouldn't give Shea Patterson reps there, though? I mean, they were down like 84 to nothing. Why not give him a couple reps? Right, but on the same <laughs> note, that that's a night that just nobody's got it. The receivers are getting beat by the defensive backs. The offensive line's playing like dog crap. I, to me, that's not when you throw a guy out there for success, right? Like, you just you just knew that was a write-it-off night. I would have rather seen Nick Marshall back there at quarterback than Shea Patterson because, to me, if you're going to give a guy reps, give him a chance when, when the guys are fresh to have a good experience to get out of there, much like Drew Brown in Winnipeg where, you know, he came into a game, you know, team was rested, team was playing okay, Zach Calaris was maybe not good that night, Drew Brown comes in and does things, right? So I'd like to see Shea Patterson – get some reps now because you got to know that the paint's been stripped off the walls from hopefully somebody yelling at these guys to step their game up. So I, I I'm okay with Shea Patterson not coming in, but anybody calling for Jake Dalla to come in. Oof. Yeah, I, I will. I will give him this it because as you said, the right, that the writing was on the wall in that game. Everyone was off. Nothing was going right. Maybe he looks a little better this week, but then again, they're playing the BC lions. So, I mean, Trevor Harris is going to have a hard time in that game because they might have the best defense in the league. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grimly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Yes. Especially yes. against the best defense in the league against bad offenses, at least, for sure. <laughs> oh, oh, ab- absolutely. I like, mean, we've seen a, they... the, the, the numbers they've given up against, like, Edmonton, Calgary, and Saskatchewan are just absurd. So Yeah. I mean, you remove the Winnipeg games from what the you Winnipeg know, game and the Toronto game. I think they got to them, and that's about it. Yeah, yeah. Outside of so BC is doing what they need to do. They're beating teams that are not so great at football. And 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 you and I talked about it too heading into the stretch after mm-hmm. Trevor Harris got hurt. That we knew this was going to be tough. Yeah. Like this is the teeth of their schedule, and then some. Right. Yeah. So you've got you play the Lions on Sunday. Then you got a buy, and I think if anybody needs a buy right now, it's the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Mm-hmm. Like absolutely, they need a buy because I don't see this Lions game going going well in any sense of the imagination. And then no, the, it, the only the only hope for them is that the last three home games now have all been weirdly chaotic at home. So maybe maybe something dumb and weird will happen that will keep them in this game. <laughs> well, if anything <laughs> dumb and weird is going to happen, it's going to be Labor Day Classic. Like yep. I. I, I I hope that the fact that they were so 
universally dog shit at Montreal means they're going to come out with a chip on their shoulder and play yeah. well. But there's nothing that this team has shown me in the five years you and I have been doing this, and especially during the Craig Dickinson era, that would indicate to me that they're capable of doing that. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's a conversation because over how we're, for as long as you and I have both been covering or following this team, yes. we know they have the propensity to win a game out of nowhere that they have absolutely no business winning. Mm-hmm. And like their sort of not easy victories over bad teams, that also hasn't happened on the other end of it. They right. haven't had that gobsmacking win where you're like, well, that was unexpected. Right. In quite some time. So there's always a part of me that thinks it's going to happen eventually, but it just hasn't happened. So I, I just can't see it happening this week against BC. But, I mean, who knows? I guess stranger things have happened. Right. I mean, they did hold the Lions to 19 points when they played the first time. Mm-hmm. They did, yep. I, I don't think this one is as much of a slam dunk uh, heading into it as, you know, as we kind of all knew listening to you and Plaster last week. I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, they're bang on this. There's no way that this game goes well. Uh, so who knows? Maybe bad VA shows up. Maybe he throws another five picks. You don't you don't really know heading into this one. But like, I don't know. I would not want to be facing this BC Lions team with my third string quarterback and potentially Antonio Pipkin. Which no. and and I know we talked about Mason Fine deserved a start against somebody that wasn't one of the best teams in the league and but like what do you do here with Dollar Gala like yeah you're home to BC you're home to Winnipeg you're at Winnipeg like there's no <sighs> you hope Mason feel you hope Mason heals up quickly yeah because they, they were saying two to three weeks so potentially after the bye he could be back right right hoping. For the Labor Day Classic, you don't want to be running out the Labor Day Classic with Antonio Pipkin and Jake Dalagala. I mean, Rocky Butler won a game once. <laughs> <laughs> Did Tito Sincero win a Labor Day? Did he start a Labor Day? I don't know. I don't remember. All right, to the research wing. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, all we, right, you... what we do know is this game against the BC Lions is, of course, the kickoff, I guess, to the second half of the regular season for the team in the league. And so it's a, sort of always it's always a good point in the year to sort of look at where teams are at right now and where the league is at, and that's no different for the Riders as well. Um, overall, I think it's safe to say, obviously, if we're grading on like an elementary school level, this is a team that needs improvement. Um, Craig Dickinson before touchdown on Linux gave his team a C. I don't know if he would still would today. Um. Overall grade is, is would be hard to say. I would just on the fact that I would say, okay, they haven't looked great. They have clear flaws. There's definite issues within the team, but they're still in it. So you you can't say it's an F. Like Edmonton is clearly an F because they're they're done and out. The right, Riders are like, technically Edmonton's still in done. the race. So where does that land you overall as a grade? I don't know. Like a D plus, C minus, maybe. I don't know. Uh, no, I, I, I'm i with you. I would agree with your... Uh, and Tito Sinceri did not stay, start a Labor Day. Okay. Uh, 2015, he was in line to start, and uh, bartending legend Brett Smith came in. Right. <clears throat> so, uh, and and I would definitely say that team uh, would have been graded an F as they were 0-9, oh, but oh, still... Oh, that team, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that, was, that really... was the... Right, 2015. So that would have been the first game as with interim head coach Bob Dice. 
Yes. Uh, and that was the week before in Ottawa where they completely shit the bed with Tino Sinceri, a quarterback, and everything went wrong. And I don't think Tino saw the field the rest of the year after that. No, I think I think you're right. Now, in terms of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders mm-hmm. overall, um, I don't know. I, I still think overall, I think they're a C. I, I, I don't think either of us had any delusions of this team we had kind of talked that they could maybe sneak their way into second place. Yeah. You know, I don't think anybody came in and said, okay, this rider team is going to be in the upper echelon challenging for a home game. No. I mean, I mean, I mean the, they, the teams you thought they were going to compete against were wrong, but well, of course, I would. one of them at least. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just me. Right. So, <laughs> but I mean, I, I, I think universally we kind of had Saskatchewan in that middle pack you know, if things bounce right, if Trevor Harris does well, they could maybe get a semifinal game at home. Definitely not the bye. So, to me, they're kind of who we thought they were. Mm-hmm. But on offense, it's an F. Like, this, I'm, this just I'm, reminds I'm, me I'm, I'm not, I'm not quite there. And, I mean, you can read the piece at 3RNation.com. I don't think the offense is quite an F. You gave them a D. I gave them a D just based on the fact, okay, the run game's not quite as good. They haven't put up the numbers, but there's enough progress there where I... uh, Number one, I think we have incomplete data on quarterbacks just because of injuries and all that sort of stuff. Um, And I do think for the first time in a number of years, there's actually sort of a core of receivers, especially Sean Bain Jr., Sam Amelis, and Tevin Jones, that they can actually build around with a group that can make plays for the first time in a while. So... In a sense, I think there are bones of the offense that have improved, but they're certainly not at a point right now where you can rely on it. I would agree. But, and and I hope one of our listeners can correct me because the stats aren't friggin' here on CFL.ca. Mm-hmm. Have they won a game where they haven't scored a return touchdown? The, like, I'm just thinking yeah. out loud here. Like, this is maybe something I should have looked at before, but like... I mean, surely they have. I mean, Mary Offer doesn't have that many return touchdowns. Like they, they didn't they didn't against Edmonton, right? That okay, so, I, game. so yeah, so so there's a twelve eleven game in which because they, they had a return touchdown to beat Did they have one to beat Ottawa? No. Okay. Okay. No, Ottawa had Alfred wrapped up. He the he only had really the one pretty good return that set up the game winning field goal. Okay, so okay. So I, I, I backtrack a little bit and raise the bar a little bit. Um, have they ha- won a game in which Alford didn't bust out an unexpectedly good run? Because you let's face it, with I mean, a return man. I wouldn't even say that one is unexpectedly bad. Unexpected. Like, that was sort of a good normal return for him. Right. Uh, but again, that is so far above the league average in what a return Oh, there's, there's no doubt to. that he's their best player. Yeah, he 100% he is. But to me, you can get the best special teams player in the world, which... I think the Riders maybe have the best special teams player, at least at least in the league right now, and and Alford. But to me, special teams is so random and chaotic, and I love it. I love watching it, and I get it. There's execution, there's film, there's all this stuff that goes into it. There's blocks, there's making sure you don't you know cough on a guy as you're you know lateral to him or behind him. But on the same note, there's a certain degree of chaos that you need for it, right? So. The fact that they have to rely on Alford to win games, who's one guy who now with some higher degree of punting in the CFL, you have an ability to take away, it 
I don't know. I, I, I think the offense has been, even with Trevor Harris, it wasn't good. Jamal Morrow's regressed. Well, Trevor yeah. Harris was. I mean, that's not, that's not on Trevor Harris, but yeah. Um, right. But I, I, I don't know. I, I, it, it's, it's, it sucks because they're stuck in the mud right now because the Mason, Mason Fine and Ottawa looked like there was a bit of a step forward there. There was something you, if, I know you didn't get to see that game. Sorry, against yeah, against Ottawa. Against Ottawa, yeah. You didn't get I, to see I, I didn't. you didn't get to see that game, and that was probably the best the offense looked all year. And he was their quarterback. I, and... I did. I yeah. I heard you and Plaster mm-hmm. talk about that for sure. And you're you're absolutely right. I didn't. I can't pull up the stats because the CFL's garbage. Um, and I didn't get the eye test that I normally have because I was out of town. So yeah. like there was um, two really long good drives in that game. Like that was sort of the template where I think. It could work. And then last week in Montreal was basically just throw it out, whatever. Right. So write it off. So, yeah. so. And then, but then he gets hurt and now they're stuck with Jake Delagal at point one point zero again, trying to rebuild a young quarterback into a system that maybe, maybe they can get somewhere, but good luck against right. your next three opponents. Right. And I mean, so basically what we're hoping for is that Mason Fine comes back by Labor Day. And you can pull off a, you know, traditional Labor Day miracle seems to happen every, especially I will be in the stands. So Mm -hmm. Fraser curse on Labor Day. I've never seen the riders win a lay. I've never seen the bombers win a Labor Day game Mm -hmm. ever. So there, there you go. Mason (laughs) finally back. They'll win and we'll not have a talking point. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's any debates about the defense being good. B plus solid unit. They could use a few more takeaways and splash plays, but that's kind of about all you can say there. Uh, special teams still solid, of course. Mary Alford, their best player, return game going well. Brett Lowther has easily gotten over his early seasons. I wouldn't even call them struggles; just a few misses. But and a couple, he had the yips for a bit. Yeah, for a week but or two. 50, the fifty-three yarder against Ottawa sort of sealed everyone. It's like, okay, he's fine. And, yeah, exactly. And their punting's actually gotten better with Adam Corsak. Not that not that that was a thing that anyone was looking to change, but hey. Injuries happen, and they found a guy who's better. <laughs> well, and, well, that's and you and I were talking in our preamble too. Is yeah. like I feel good that the Antonio uh, Antonio Pipkin trade happened mm-hmm. because Kari Vedvik deserves to play in the league. Yeah, like, he's good. It's mm-hmm. just what we're seeing now is great. This was remind first came in the league with Winnipeg. And you're like, oh god, this guy's going to the NFL. Yeah. Uh, and then there's, of course, the coaching situation. Um, mm. And I'm, I'm, I struggled with it a little bit, I'm not going to lie, because I th- I think you and I have both been maybe one of the more positive duos, people, analysts, whatever you want to uh, yeah, call us, yeah. on a number of the decisions that Craig Dickinson has made. Um, he just has this weird curse where whether he makes a decision rightly or wrongly, it tends to blow up in his face. Yes. It is incredible the amount of decisions this guy makes in a football game that go wrong even when they shouldn't. And it just always happens. And I almost feel for him at times because there he has done a lot of great process over result situations that just have not ever landed in the results for him. And at the same time, you know, I do agree with a lot of our colleagues over at the Pivots podcast where I'm like, I think he's in over his head. I don't know if he's actually a good head coach in this league in the long run. Like, it's been... It's been, you know, it's been a few years now. At this point, things should be starting to settle in if you're a good head coach, and they just, they haven't. And so, you know, and they've we've talked about the struggles of them beating teams they should. And there's been a few weeks where sort of, you know, the lead up to some games haven't hasn't really gone that well. But on the other end, the other side of things too, 
the one area where I, you can obviously say they deserve credit is Craig Dickinson came into this year and said, we are going to be the most physical, least penalized team in the league. They haven't quite yes. hit that mark, but they are the third least penalized team in the league this year, and they deserve some credit for that. Which, if you go back to our season preview, we both actually laughed at them, thinking mm-hmm. that that was going to be a thing. So, so overall, I'm like, I, I, I can't give this coaching staff an F. I think it is a problem for this team, but it is just slightly better than their offense. Now, okay, so here's an interesting stat from our friend Fake Gainer. Mm-hmm. And now his protected tweet, so I don't know if everybody saw this. Since 2019, Dave Dickinson, 35 wins. This includes regular playoff wins. Trey yeah. Dickinson, 34 wins with two trips to the West Final. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, felt, I found that interesting. Like, that, that skewed that... very heavily through the first two years, though, right? Because that first year, they finished first in the West and hosted the West Final. Yes, which with the Doink game and yeah. me being there and breaking the Fraser curse and the Bombers breaking their, their Ryder curse, right? Um, you're absolutely right on that. I, you're right. I like a lot of decisions he makes. I mean, he's not kicking field goals from the one-yard line. No. Yeah. Like that, like I like Bob Dice, and mm-hmm. you guys said it last week. I really like that coach's that, but holy shit, that might be the most cowardly thing I've ever seen in professional football. That was terrible. That was absolutely terrible, that decision. So I think you're right. Craig seems to make the right decision that goes the wrong way. The team tends to poop the bed. You're absolutely right. They poop the bed, and we both say this in games that they should win. Like they just they just need like I feel bad for Ryder fans. You guys just need an easy win. You just need a Death Star mode game, but they haven't had that with Craig Dickinson at the helm. So I like what he does. I think he's well-spoken. And according to his latest comments, he listens to all the podcasts. So, hey, Craig, (laughs) just because you're a listener, I'll give you a B. Wow. That's – that might be a bit generous. I'm easily won over by people that listen to our podcast. Like – you know, the six, what are we up to? Six listeners now? Maybe. I don't know. What was it? Dave, Jock, Doug, that random person who bugged you while you were at work, Grammy. That's five. Okay. Did I say Dave? You, I, I, I think what? you did. You probably said did Dave. I? Okay. I, I got to make sure we say him, especially because we're golfing in this tournament. So, mm-hmm. um, a guy who may be golfing in tournament soon is <laughs> Edmonton Elks thing of all things football, Chris Jones. Oh, he got the he did get the stamp of approval today, which means by the end of the year he'll probably be fired, which he should. Um, <laughs> as this is a really weird situation. So of course on Monday evening, there's a report from TSN's Farhan Lalji that it, he was saying that Victor Kui was going to be out as the president of the Edmonton Elks, as they were going to mutually part ways. Uh, that's how the team put it on Tuesday when they put out the announcement. And then, of course, the game of he says, she said has kind of begun since then. A lot of people talking online about um, Kui maybe not get along with everyone and some issues within the organization from that perspective. And then there's also sort of reading between the lines you and what we know about sort of the board in Edmonton right now. Yes. Um, while I'm not going to completely say that whatever anyone may be saying about Victor Kui is completely unfounded, we obviously don't know. We don't work yes. for the organization. We're not in those walls. We don't really even know the guy personally. Um, never even met the guy. Never talked to the guy once. We do know a lot about, though, about the Edmonton Board of Directors. Yes. And sort of their way of thinking. And it was one of the comments by the head of the board there who was talking on Tuesday who said, 
Uh, we hired Victor Kui because we wanted to try something different. Uh, we did that. Some things worked, some things didn't. And that comment sort of stuck with me as, hmm, okay. So Victor Kui may or may not have his issues within the organization. There may have been valid reasons to get rid of him. But it certainly sounded like, at the end of the day, the board didn't necessarily like doing things differently. No, and Victor Kui was doing a lot of things differently that seemed to bring a buzz, but... And now, the interesting thing, too, and again, I'll cite Fake Gainer on this. Mm-hmm. Chris Jones was a board hire, not a Victor Kui hire. Yes. Victor Kui so, never got to hire his own general manager. No. Once. He not never, even once. So we can... No. It's always strange in football when we... You know, like, presidents probably deserve maybe three general managers, and general managers deserve two head coaches. This president <laughs> didn't get to hire a single general manager. No, and... I don't know anybody that's worked in football ops with the Edmonton Elks. I have known a couple people and know a couple people that worked in game day ops and they had nothing but good things to say. And I think the thing that worries me is you need progressive thinking to bring fans in and to raise interest when your team is bad. Yeah. That's when you need to market the hardest. That's when you need your your players out in the community. That's when you need to build fans. That's when you need to make that connection because they're not coming to football games because you're winning. So now, obviously, Chris Jones has the mass approval of the board. And Chris Jones is famous for making his players not go out and do anything and not really growing the game, not really doing anything. So I just, like, no matter how bad it is, and I feel like we've deservedly so shit on the riders a lot this podcast. Mm-hmm. It could be worse. It could be Elks fans, guys. Yeah, I mean, for as much as we can, you know, there are issues with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Right now, you can firmly place that all of that is firmly just on the football field. Not that there aren't things that can be improved off the field, but generally speaking, they're fine off the field. Well, and especially, too, when you look at the off the field stuff and, like, embracing the sheep. Yeah. Unbelievable. The social media team... Getting that, that's great, right? The awareness and some of the conversations I've had personally with Craig Reynolds about what they need to do to bring the out-of-town fans back and and the way they track these things and what they need to do, right? Like, it's top of mind in Saskatchewan, and they're trying to do things better, you know, lowering ticket prices. All the things they've done are all proactive and going, okay, we need to fix this, right? So although the team has not really been good for a few years on the field, off the field they're still doing stuff, but, like, it seemed like Victor Kui came in, especially with like the twelve ninety special when our when you know uh, can't call him friend of the program because never been on the program, but we're both Dustin Nielsen guys. Um, was let go. Like it just seemed like there was a lot of creative, fun things. They hired some really good people to do some stuff, and to see him go, I just worry that that team is about to become completely irrelevant in Edmonton. Mm. Well, like, I just yeah. And there like was that. there was the other comment from Tom Richards um, that kind of caught my eye as well. He said, uh, "This is I'm taking this from the CFL News account." Uh, Tom Richards said, "The board is a group of volunteers who are trying their best. It's meant to be a governance board." Said there's sometimes they've had to get involved and make decisions. They'd rather not, but they felt compelled to act. What was me? What was me? Not a little old innocent me. It couldn't be yeah. us. No. Oh, no, it can't be the board. Like, it just, this strikes me as, and I I was speculating, I forget who I was texting, I was texting a friend of mine, 
talking about was Chris Jones smart enough to find a way to make those four one-year deals into just the rest of his contract? Because Probably. they do touch in the, the article on Three Down Nation. I read it before we we started recording. They do specifically mention both job security and the coaching cap. So it seems like they're already making excuses as to why they have to keep Chris Jones and his retirement home around in Edmonton. Yeah, I mean it's it's ugly, and I <clears throat> I don't know. I I don't know what the answer there is. I know some people are floating that it's maybe time for private ownership, and I don't know, maybe it is. Maybe they may not have a choice. Maybe they'll just need the money at some point. And I, I honestly don't know how that works, taking a publicly owned franchise public. Um, I don't necessarily agree. I think you can look, you can look within this league for scenarios where these, you know, the, the three publicly owned teams, the other two have dug themselves out of some pretty ugly situations. Oh, it was, Winnipeg, Winnipeg not too long ago was basically in Edmonton shoes and look at them now. So yeah, I yes. don't think you necessarily have to sell off the team. And I mean, unless you find the perfect owner out there like the BC Lions, and if you find that guy, sure, I can live with that. Yes. If you don't find that guy and you su- you sell to a fucking Eugene Melnick or a Dan Schneider, oh, oh. then you're in far worse position than you were as the, than you were before. So if you do, you better be 135% sure that this is the right guy. Otherwise, it is possible to dig out of this as a public franchise. Oh, you brought up the best example in Winnipeg. Even Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm. Saskatchewan's been there. They were there through the 80s and 90s. Right. They were dog shit for a long time on the field. Winnipeg was, trust me, Winnipeg was dog shit on the field for a long time. And and the thing that worries me is Victor Quee seemed like the kind of guy that no matter what was happening on the field could start to bring the team out of it and then have them in a good position when they start winning again. But now that Chris Jones has clearly won another power struggle with somebody or hasn't slid into the dms of somebody's wife just yet it just it like i how they don't win with chris jones in charge of this team anymore no so you know what fixed saskatchewan they won you know what fixed winnipeg they won edmonton's not gonna win with chris jones it looks like he's in for the long haul now so edmonton fans gonna steal this from tim and said i'm gonna take my microphone here i'm gonna pull it in my chest i'm gonna give you a hug right now Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.